This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HardcoreHusky.com, covering Washington Huskies football with message boards full of debauchery and childlike wonder. Folks who are well-known in cyberland and not that dumb, except for our little fudgy who is wrong about everything. So come join the gang and register today for free at HardcoreHusky.com. And now it's time for the show. Here are your hosts, Derek Johnson and Dougals. So Dougals and I are uh, sitting here talking uh, on the Sunday night, and uh, a lot of stuff has happened in recent days in the last couple of weeks. Dougals, you know, just like about, what, three weeks ago, uh, you were you were soaking up uh, duck tears with a rag, <laughs> and uh, yeah. you were ready to raise jam. the banner. And yeah, now, my uh, ShamWow 2020 Northern Champions <laughs> banner, uh, sucking up all the duck tears. Uh, how, 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 how times have changed. So... Uh, the Ducks are on their way to the Fiesta Bowl to take on uh, Iowa State. The Husky season has come to an end. There's been a lot of uh, uh, emotions expressed on Hardcore Husky. And I guess uh, this uh, this podcast that we're doing this evening, we're just going to kind of break this into two parts. The first part will be just our uh, reactions to, uh, you know, the season coming to a sudden halt um, and uh, the reasoning behind that. And then uh, we'll have a just kind of a look forward in terms of how we're going to kind of uh, ordain our mindset looking forward to 2021 and, and with the assumption that there's going to be any sort of return to normality in terms of society and regular season schedules and all that. But first of all, uh, just looking back at where we're at now, the season uh, was uh, – Brought to a halt, we had to sit there and watch Oregon beat USC in the conference championship game in our place. We had to see Aaron Feld uh, taunt the Huskies on Twitter. Um, I had a Duck fan come over and anonymously uh, donate $50 to me and say he didn't want a note on the boards or anything, but uh, he said, uh, keep, you know, keep fighting the good fight, quack, quack, quack. Um, so... What's going through your mind right now? I know your rage has diminished since last uh, Thursday, Friday, but <laughs> where are yeah, you at right now? Yeah, yeah. If you had a hot mic on me uh, earlier this week, it was it was pretty brutal. I've yelled out the rage. Uh, you know, I'll say this: since everyone uh, in, at the UW administration wants to kiss Oregon's ass, might as well just start off by congratulating the Ducks for the Pac-12 championship. They uh, they showed up. They they came. They got into the game and uh, they won the game. And there was there was no doubt in my mind they were going to beat USC. Uh, we talk about how it's hard to build a winning culture, and what that program has done with their administration backing them and doing everything they possibly can to win, calling, scratching, going after the the transfer quarterbacks, going after uh, transfers all across, recruiting nationally having the backing, not being afraid to, to get their hands dirty as it gives them a slight edge to, to have a better result. All these things, year after year after year, kind of having the whole machine moving in the same direction with the core fan base just applauding them the whole way. Um, this is what they get. They get to be called back, back-to-back Pac-12 champions. And, then, and, and so then you go to the other side, which is us, and we have a clear divide between – the, what the AD understands its fan base to be and, and want and, and then what they're willing to give and, and, and get. And uh, what I mean by that is you have the hardcore Husky faction where we want championships. We want to be taken seriously nationally. We want to go back to, you know, when teams would come up to Washington, they were scared to play. And, and we'd win the big games on the big stage. And, 
and hold up the trophies and, and compete for national titles and win Rose Bowls and have this uh, aura of being a tough-nosed team. And, and, and that showed, and when the crowd shows up, we're a loudest stadium, and we had the decibel rating for however many years and all these little things that our Northwest pride can hang on. And, and we, we want that. Um, but the administration seems to kind of continue on this marinization of, of Husky football, which, which is we're going to give them just enough. They're going to be okay, but they're not willing to do the things that Oregon is willing to do to produce a consistent winner. And um, I won't get too much into, like, why we couldn't play and the medical reasons, but I will say this. Not having the administration – fight for UW football from the very beginning and then fight to have the game pushed back and then making uh, a public stink about uh, this whole thing uh, is really disappointing. And then to go in and, and kind of validate the game in itself and, yes. and kind of give them an attaboy. And, you know, Jimmy, like, hey, if they win, they're the Pac-12 champs and stuff. Like, they're the Pac-12 champs, that's fine. But you don't have to, as the coach of Washington, you don't have to acknowledge that. You should be pissed off that they, they, you just let your rival backdoor into that game and that they want it. You don't want to give them any kind of fuel. And, and to your point with uh, Aaron Feld talking trash, of course they're talking trash. It's like we're just getting punked nonstop and, and smiling while it happens. And there's a faction of the fan base uh, that's growing smaller and smaller that cares about that. And at some point you can't care more than the administration. And there's, we've been doing the heavy lifting for a long time. And you can't care more than the coaching staff as a fan, and you can't care more than the players. You got players congratulating Oregon on winning the North. You know, it's just uh, that 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 blew my mind. Uh, that was like it it's unacceptable. My mind. Uh, yeah. And and uh, and I'm all for good sportsmanship and everything. That's not. That's just being soft. I mean, that's just uh, not even caring. That I almost um, I I read that and I was like, what the fuck? And then I thought to myself, yeah. that sounds like the words of somebody that is relieved that he doesn't have to practice anymore and the season's over. Um, yeah, I mean, because if it's, he, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. If he's, coming from a, if he's coming from a place of we just handed something over to our uh, biggest rival, uh, other than maybe USC, but, you know, uh, we handed it over to them. You, you know, there's just there, there's a visceral reaction to that. It's, it's uh, I don't know, but to add to what you were just saying, and you put it very, very well, and, and I agree with basically everything you just said, um, I think that the real, if we get to the root of what bothers me the most about this whole thing is that it was just a few months ago that they were, the University of Washington Athletic Department was doing this all-in thing. And mm-hmm. they were uh, in the emails and the phone calls and trying to do pressure and guilt people into, uh, uh, you know, uh, maintaining their tickets and it's for the kids and all this. And then giving a two-week deadline, if we don't hear back from you within two weeks of this letter, we're going to assume that it's, you're donating your entire season ticket allotment to, uh, to, the, you know, to our fund or whatever. Um, so they want everybody to be all in. Are you all in? And what was the, you know, there was an option on the bottom of the email or whatever. Are you all in or, you know, are you abandoning us? It was basically like that. Um, and where's the, yeah. the, they're not all in. No, they're not all no, in not. at all. You know, even, and even if they're like, they're having a, a powwow behind closed doors and trying to discuss what their strategy is going to be and how they're going to put a foot forward with this, they could say, you know what, this is probably not going to work, but we've got to show ourselves to be fighting for these kids and fighting for, 
for this program. And then you make the public declarations, hey, we would like to see this thing pushed back. Um, uh, even like you, what you and I were saying, um, you know, before we hit record, it was kind of like, you know, I was saying to myself, I was saying to you, hey, you know, it'd be really nice if it's, if nothing else, we just say, hey, January 5th, January 10th, why don't we try to set up a game, an Apple Cup against Washington State, so we just have something for all the hard work that the players and coaches have put in uh, and the fans, and we have a way to just kind of mm-hmm. cap off the season with something. Um, yeah. And somebody, and I, I don't remember who it was, but somebody on the boards made a really good point about, you know, that where the University of Washington um, is at in terms of being, uh, you know, they've been kind of at the forefront of a lot of this COVID stuff and, and uh, we're not going to get into all the politics of it and whatnot, but that how it would be a really bad look if the football program was pushing back against the uh, the logistics that were being set forth by the university itself in terms of this overall narrative that, you know, cases are going up so everybody has to be real cautious or everyone's going to die type of thing. Simultaneously, yeah. simultaneously, the Big 12, was it? Was it the Big 12 or the Big 10 that they uh, – They've they've already adjusted what their uh, <laughs> you know the twenty one days is down big, to seventeen and yeah Big Ten just basically made whatever Ohio State wanted them to do to make sure they got into the playoffs uh, and the Big yeah. Ten is the only reason Ohio State's really the only reason we played football on the West Coast this year um, if it wasn't Ohio State doing everything they possibly could to not lose recruits to the SEC and compete for championships because it matters to them. Right, culturally, it matters to them. They're all in, unlike us. But them pushing for it, <laughs> they really all in. <laughs> they really are all in. They're like, I don't even care if it was a, like a pandemic. Be damned! It's like we're we're play, if they're playing football in Alabama and Florida. Like we're playing football in Ohio. I don't care. We got to figure this out. And that's yes. the kind of effort it's going to take if you're going to want to be serious. You know, a saying is uh, success leaves tracks, and we talk about so follow the tracks if you want to be successful. Well, look at that from the framework of a program. Like, what would Alabama have done if they were in our situation? Would they would they yep. have done things differently? Would they have just graciously bowed out and allowed Oregon or, or Auburn, I should say, to play in the SEC championship game? It's like they wouldn't have done that. And then you even go a little bit, you know, further back. I forget, you know, the girl who uh, I think she's the social media director. She's like the head of marketing, and she's a duck and Auburn grad. And on her profile, yep. she has, like, Ducks and War Eagle. And she's a, her yep. job is literally to hype up Washington. And I get it. You have your own separate life, and maybe she's a professional and can do that. But do you think that you would have a culture, if you were really about Washington, all in, where someone would feel like, hey, I can root for the rival. And at the time that that was found out, we were playing Auburn that year. Literally rooting for your two biggest rivals, uh, their two biggest games of that season, um, right. openly, and your job is to is to be the hype man for UW sports, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I, I think she still has that stuff up there. And and it's little and then, things the, like that that would never fly at a school that actually matters. Because um, imagine, and, and, I, have to, I have to throw this in, imagine Nick Saban saying, uh, hey, congratulations on Auburn, repping the Alabama, mm-hmm. or the state of oh, Alabama, yeah. repping the SEC. Way to go, boys. No! Yeah, like, no, it would not even exist. And here's the thing. This is the bigger point to it all is, is the past 12, I think, is in – I mean, we've known it's in trouble, serious trouble. It's, it's dead. And the reason I say that, it's not an overreaction. We had an undefeated USC who actually, by Pac-12 standards this season, played a lot of games. They were 6-0. and 
and they were so five far and removed. Yeah. Were they five and zero? Oh? Uh, yep. Uh, okay, so they they are five and zero. Oh, still, a lot of games for the Pac-12 this year. They were so far removed. It wasn't even a, a blink in anyone's eye that they should maybe be considered for a, a playoff spot, right? They were like thirteenth. Right. You know, scratching and clawing their ways onto the outside of the top ten, uh, and that's the that is our program. I mean, I love Washington. I think we could have be that if we wanted to be that. But USC is the one with the handful of national titles, the Heisman trophies. I mean, that's the program on the West Coast. That's the nationally known program. That is what holds the banner for the Pac-12, and them being undefeated um, and still like just being an afterthought. Ohio State had the same amount of games, right? And and they're they're a shoe in, and and obviously USC is not Ohio State on the field or in the lift test or anything like that. But this pro, this conference is is just terminated as far as I'm concerned. Um, and the current format that we have, I don't see how we get back to the playoff. Um, I don't if, if how do we get back to the playoff now that it's pretty much uh, guaranteed that you're going to have two teams from the SEC or the ACC every year. Notre Dame just has to skirt by, um, and, and, and that's that. And then you're going to give it to Texas or Oklahoma. Because Texas has been slipping up, I love when they show the same, uh, I think it's like this Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, and Oklahoma have like 20 of the 28 total slots for the, uh, for the playoffs since it started. And the only reason it's yeah. Oklahoma is because Texas is fucking up. Um, but, but that's how no. it's going to be from here on out. I, I will disagree with you to one extent. Um, like, uh, let's just say that there is a, a more or less a return to normality next year. Um, and Bill Gates is saying there's not going to be any return to normality until 2022. And I don't know how he would know that or what that means. But um, but let's just say that it's a full schedule, a full slate of games is played next year, 2021. If there's a Pac-12 team that goes like 11-1, and one, they're going to get in and, and they play in the conference championship game and win it, of course. Um, they're not going to be denied a shot at the playoffs. So I disagree with you at that. I think it was the fact that that the Pac-12 took kind of a cautious, mamby-pamby type of approach to uh, playing this year while, you know, as we were talking about earlier, the, the Southeastern Conference, um, you know, plunged forward with this as did the ACC and stuff. So, um, you know, it's like uh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's going to play USC. It's going to be their 12th game of the year, I think. So, um if I'm if I'm right on that, so, but, but we didn't. Yeah. We 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 held back and we weren't going to do anything and we were doing things the right way. And then when the Big Ten enters it, and then somebody wrote some sort of uh, ridiculous headline. It was like the Big Ten leaves the Pac-10 at the Pac-12 at the altar or whatever. Uh, remember that? And then no, all no. of a sudden we're like, oh, we're, I guess we're going to play after all. And then we we start. You know, there's in the several weeks of. Of of, uh, of basically what was fall camp, except it was going on in October and stuff. Um, the whole thing is just so poorly thought out, and it's like they and then they wanted to take this moral high ground in terms of where they stood with the overall narrative of COVID and everything. But then when the Big Ten started to make the plans to play, then they abandoned that moral high ground. So it's like they never really stood for anything. It was just yeah. a shit show. So. Yeah, leadership, leadership from the top from the top down, just complete failure of representing. If you if you believe in the science and you're like, then then it's non-negotiable. Right, and then exactly. You start waffling, you, you start waffling back and forth based on 
you know, other teams and doing this and that. I mean, we just look like such a clown show. And, and someone posted the, uh, the insides of the, the different major conference headquarters. And you have like I saw that, the ACC yeah. is in is uh, their headquarters is in like some strip mall like next to a bank and the SEC somewhere <laughs> in Birmingham, and it just looks like run down and has them you know almost unoccupied. And then you have the Pac-12 uh, in the middle of uh, San Francisco with, with new marble walls and waterfalls and all this shit like it's some fucking glorious conference and it's spending a huge amount of its income, uh, its revenue I should say on uh, on on rent. In this in this building out here in San Francisco, and you just see that we're all just show and and this this little air of like you said moral superiority, um, and what we can get away with we're gonna get away with, and we're, there doesn't seem outside of Oregon, and that's why as much as I would like to hate Oregon, I, I don't knock them at all because outside of Oregon I don't see any team um, that that's that's willing to to do what it takes in any administration that's really. Uh, trying to win this thing and be a dominant force nationwide. Oregon just signed one of the best recruiting classes they've had. Cristobal, who got extended, I don't know if he's a great coach or a good coach or a bad coach. He's probably somewhere in the middle. But he can recruit, and his guys seem to get up for big games, and he seems to finish them. And he's already got a Rose Bowl under his belt, and he might get a Fiesta because they're playing shitty Iowa State. And and, and here's the thing. is like, why would he ever jump ship? He's got the big bad boogeyman, which is supposed to be us up north. We just can't even get out of our own way. Um, and it's just, as a Husky fan, it's deflating to have Peterson come in and give us this spark of hope that, hey, we're back, we're turning the tide. And after that fucking decade or 12 in a row losses, we get them twice. And we think, I'm like, we're going to take a run on these guys. We are going to absolutely beat the shit out of Oregon for a decade plus and get back with ours. And, and, and not only does that not happen, but they turn it right back on us immediately, which is what a good program would do. A winning program would do that. They would say, hey, they're punching us in the mouth. We've got to do something about it. They yep. come back, they take our lunch, they beat, they beat us on the field, win the Pac-12, and then win a Rose Bowl, come back, don't necessarily take our lunch, but are in a position to beat USC on the field and are back at NY6. And they'll have the banners. Everyone, Some people say that the 2020 season doesn't matter and it's a shit. Okay, that's fine. I don't know what happened back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s. All I can do is count those championships, right, on the, on the wall. Uh, you know, 20 years from now, uh, nobody's going to know uh, that that number uh, when they have their total conference titles uh, put up on the wall is, is jumbled in with a weird-ass 2020 season. If anything, it's an inspiring story. It's a we find a way to win no matter what. Um, and, and, and Washington needs to – man, going into next season, I'll tell you what my expectation is. Um, you know, they need to win the Pac-12 title next year. I'm looking at the roster. I see who's returning. We're returning everybody. Like everybody's coming back. We are a young team this year, and we're a talented football team. So everyone's coming back. We're not really losing anyone. Um, and we're gaining some big guys. And, and Unless, like, Cade so leads or something, yeah. Otten's probably going to go. But, but tight end is a position where – and as much as that hurts, um, that we have some good, talented guys there that look like Otten 2.0s. Yes. You know, we have yep. Redmond. We have strong tight ends. Like, that's that's not going to be uh, – losing Jadon and Hurts, but we don't even use them. It doesn't matter. But but uh, but I, I will say that, that this team is set up to make a run. If you're not sold on Morris, you have Sam Heward coming in. Um, we need to win the Pac-12 title uh, next season. And, and that is point blank. That is it. Um, otherwise, uh, Jimmy Lake is – that seat should be hot. I know it won't be because we're Washington. Uh, but but 
everything is lined up for us to take that on. Uh, I'm, I wasn't impressed watching that game besides Oregon just talking shit and having swag and, and winning the big game. I mean, they got quarterback issues. Um, I wasn't oh, yeah. that impressed with that team. I mean, <laughs> I think that shoe guy is probably not going to be their starter next year. And if he is, they're in trouble. Um, you know, they're, they're a vulnerable team. The whole Pac-12 is vulnerable. Um, there's no reason if we care and if this team actually, if I wish I knew they had a bad taste in their mouth about this and actually worked harder than ever this offseason, just like the last 50 fucking offseason, um, <laughs> you know, if I had any faith that they would do that, there's no reason this team is not winning the, the title. Um, and, and we get Oregon back in Seattle. So we, we avoided the Austin massacre. I mean, we, we get Cal in Seattle. <laughs> it's just what yeah. we should need. Um, and Stanford, there's going to be seven people there anyway. So who knows what, what's going on there. But, but, but that needs to be the expectation because uh, if, we, if we do not punch back, uh, and with this recruiting class, I'm not going to go into team boy stocking, but with the recruiting class being pretty mediocre, even by Washington standards, I think it was around 30th. We're usually like tw- top 25 to 15. 25 to 15 in my lifetime is usually where we land. Occasionally yeah. we creep up in the top 15. So this was a little below the standard, mainly because we missed on some pretty big fish that should have been or were considered layups at one point in time. Um, but but if, you, if you look at this roster, it has been built up the right way with highly ranked classes because of Peterson and his approach, which everyone wanted to knock at the time. And so we are in the meat of, hey, this is the talent that we're going to get for a while. We're still in that blue chip ratio. And it's probably going to dip down a little bit unless we fucking drop the hammer next year. And, and that's all it has to be. We have to win the title next year or else it's, uh, it's going to be a it's, long, long time uh, before the we see us closing. on top again. Yep. There is no – Jimmy Lake is probably the most secure coach in America right now other than Nick Saban. <laughs> Maybe not even Nick Saban. If, if Saban loses four games next year, he uh, – the, the thing with Jimmy, it's like um, – We've, as we've talked about before, where you know the 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 Donovan hire w- was not only a head scratcher, but it also created some rage from some people on our on on the hardcore Husky boards, and and I was even ticked off about it. Um, the recruiting for a guy that has the uh, <coughs> excuse me, he has Jimmy Lake has an equal amount of, of swagger to that meathead at Oregon there, Crystal Ball. The Crystal Balls generating results with his recruiting and Jimmy's at least his one, his one chance out of the gate as the head guy right now was very underwhelming. Um, and then you look at all these uh, slow starts in the first half of games. I thought Larry Stone, and I have great respect for Larry Stone of the Seattle Times. I think he's a, a very fine writer. But his article from uh, a day or two ago, <coughs> excuse me, I thought was very disingenuous at one part where he's talking about um, – Oh, 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 so Larry Stone was talking about um, how, you know, if, if the Huskies could have just tweaked a couple of things, they would have been able to reverse that five-point deficit against Stanford and been 4-0. And it's like, we got, we got prison raped in that game. What are you talking about? That was, that, that was not like, oh, if we just caught a pass on a certain third down, we would have won the game or whatever. It wasn't like that at all. So I guess what the point of – stopped them. Yeah, exactly. So the, the the point I guess I'm trying to drive at is that for for all of Jimmy Swagger, I'm not seeing um, any 
I'm not seeing any signs that he's someone that's going to push this to the next level on his own. And so when you're talking about a limited window here, that we have to take advantage of the fact that we need we need to uh, uh, we've got all these recruits that that Peterson brought in, and we need to utilize them and get the most out of them while they're here, because otherwise it's going to be a long time before uh, we have this level of talent again. It would seem so. Um, mm-hmm. It, it, he, and, and Jimmy Lake was gifted Sam Heward because Sam Heward was probably playing to go to Washington since he was in the fifth grade. So, Yep, yep. I mean, and without Sam Heward, that class plummets too, by the way. Uh, you remove the five-star oh, yeah. uh, complete slam dunk uh, uh, quarterback, then that class, that 30th, is, is really hinging. We dropped to like 40 or something like that, which is pretty unacceptable. Um, but – but you know this. This I, I I've kind of harped on it. This is as being a huge year for Washington football right, as far as the future trajectory, and it just got so unceremoniously ripped away from us at the end there. Yeah. Um, being able to like throw up the sham wow banner, uh, twenty twenty North Champs is cool. There's a little bit of positivity. A lot of the young guys seeing Morris. I don't think that we're in a position where we can like. I like what Morris brings to the table. And if Heward is better, then Heward is better. But it, it, going into next season, uh, knowing that Morris is going to be better, and then uh, that would be our, our worst-case scenario, I feel pretty good about it. And I'm not mm-hmm. as uh, down <clears throat> on John Don as everyone else. There's a lot of things to gripe about. Uh, but I actually, you know, he's trying to play a style of football that we like, and, and we can open it up a little bit if Morris gets down. But, I mean, we really, if you look, you look at this this season and the game that we lost to Stanford, we had seven possessions um, and we scored on five of them. So the, 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 the immediate uh, coming out the gates with Jimmy Lake, I think he's a little raw, raw. I hate how we always make comparisons to the most recent coach. So it's like Jimmy Lake is Stark or Jimmy Lake is Lambrighter, whatever, you know, <laughs> and Chris, you know, Cristobal is new high. It's like, we're, we're just like stuck in a hamster wheel, just fucking going around in circles, <laughs> knocking our heads around. But, but, you know, there, when I hear him speak, especially after the Utah game, when he made that big comeback, I mean, I kind of made a joke about it, but it didn't seem like there was much substance going out there. It was just, you know, he almost was like cross-eyed, rah-rah, and, and that's great, uh, but, but you gotta, you got to put it together and show some uh, X's and O's and the ability to adjust. Stanford has our number. Um, it's really unfortunate that that's the case, but I, I would assume that we're due, but we keep getting punked by those guys. But, but yeah, if he, next year, you, we like to say the three-year rule. Uh, I'm telling you right now, it's got to be. A, it's, got, it, it's pretty much uh, uh, next year will we'll tell the tale because it is set up perfectly for, for UW to come in and, and, and win that, that conference. And a good coach, a great coach, a coach that's going to get us to where we want to be would be up to the task. Um, that's what it boils down to for me. So here's the thing. I guess it all boils down to expectations, though, because, like, if there's somebody that's not from HardcoreHusky.com and is not of the mindset that the team should win 10 games or more every year and this kind of thing, if they're happy at, uh, you know what, if you win seven games a year in this day and age, that's good enough for me, that type of thing then the way that we're talking about next year, you know, if they were sitting here listening to this right now and you and I talking about how we have this limited window and next year has to, has to happen, um, they would, it would be a foreign language to them. They wouldn't understand what we were talking about. There's also other people, though, that I've seen posting on Hardcore Husky that are really dooging and they talk about, 
they talk in really harsh terms about where the uh, administration and where Jimmy Lake is at right now, and they say, and they better do it next year or else. But I, these guys have been around the boards for many years, and all it is, it's basically like on the surface it sounds like they're talking a, a tough game, but then they move the quietly move the goalpost. Mm-hmm. And it's like next well, year, and then next year they'll be saying the same thing about 2022. So um, well, there's kind of like three different level, camps there. That it, yeah. At uh, what level does the apathy set in? And that's what it's saying. Where the, the, the UW administration is not aligned with the hardcore Husky fan base. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's too much work. you got to want as it. The, as the late Herb Mead would say, that is an understatement. Yeah. I mean, you got to want it. And and our uh, honorable uh, bow-out and, and kissing Oregon's ass as they dance on our grave was just like – and not having the – they have to know that there's a contingency, like a like a big part of their of their fan base. Um, it that that kills them, and, and they're sitting there just like you know, tip of the cap to Oregon, uh, great season, guys. Uh, it's it's just like big time programs do not act like that. Like it's okay no. to be a little salty. It's okay to like. I thought that's what we were gonna get when we had Jimmy Lake, and he was he started the season like that, talking trash and. And kind of setting it up and having all this bravado, and and it almost makes me think that something came on high where it was like we're going to shut this thing down um, because it would be too controversial, and they weren't willing to go down the road that they needed to go down to uh, to produce the results required to win, and and, and that is like where where it kind of just it, it all it all goes away from me, and you're going to lose like Bays is already gone, Yellow Snow's checked out, Yellow Snow's like on a ski mountain somewhere. You know, hey, it's not like real life, guys. It's just Husky football. I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> I have a sad, <laughs> empathetic existence. This is my life, right? And, and I want I want the best for this program. And, and I want to see them uh, win. And I want our players to enjoy that moment and, and have that experience. And, and, and that's why we go to these games. We want to see this team be a championship program. Uh, and and, and at, this sta- at this stage, with the money as high as it is, and the TV contracts and the stakes are higher, and you can see that it's whittling down, and a couple big-time programs are starting to really eat a lot of that pie. Um, we have the resources to be part of that group. We have the resources. We're still pulling in. Uh, I think we're top 15, at worst, top 18 revenue-producing programs in the country, number one in the Pac-12. We're still the big dog, and yet we squander this shit, and it's not going to last forever. Um, because cause there really is no uh, – there's there's no emotional uh, co- connection to the current version of the Huskies. We don't have – we can't rely on that, that 1990 season and, and those early childhood memories and all that shit very much longer. Um, what you're getting now with these box seats and stuff is the tech money and people who don't really care. Um, Oregon still has, in that little stupid small town – um, a little fire in them that they want to fucking crush everyone and win. You know, they're like this new money program that just cares more than us. And at some point, yep. you're, it's going to dry up. It's going to dry up. Right now, we still have the resources. If they don't have a gut check, big time. Um, it's going to be one of those things where I think of it like in a poker table when you're like the big stack on a tournament and you start playing loose with your chips because you have so much more chips than every other player and they they kind of donk you away here and there, and you make a couple bad plays, but no big deal. I still have the big stack. Well, at some point, you lose that leverage, and then you start then you start getting all tight, and you're like, oh, shit. 
uh, that guy over there in seat two seems to like his his stack's kind of growing. It's actually kind of close to mine. And then and then you start getting a little nervous, and, and then you and then you make a couple uh, bad moves, and now his confidence is going, and he, he keeps taking your chips. Well, eventually you lose that leverage, and you end up being the short stack. It happens all the time. Power is such a fucking fleeting thing, and and if you're not trying to keep it, and you're not like using and pushing around the leverage that you have when you have it in a good way, man. It's it's damn near impossible to get back. And I have a feeling just from what we've seen the past 20 years or since college football was invented in 1994, that Oregon's not going to give it back the way that we are. And we're just fucking donking off chips left and right. And it pisses me off, man, because at some point we're going to be sitting there like it's 2008 again, except for we're going to have nothing to hold our hats on. You know, the half-empty fucking pea patch field, and it's going to just be just a shit program. And it's going to happen, and no one's going to be there anymore. So, so UW has this small window to, to really use their fucking leverage while they still have it. And I just, I don't even know if we have the right people to, to, to push that weight around. I mean, does Jen Cohen see it like we see it? Probably not. I don't know. We're still number one, right, as well, far as the money comes. Yeah, you know what? But they talk about like I think it was you know Canada or whatever. God bless him. He posts that thing about hey guys, come on, things aren't that bad, and we're number one in attendance. And how many times have you been at a Husky game where they announce the attendance at sixty eight thousand, and you look around and you go maybe forty eight? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's the, yeah. the the passion. The passion isn't isn't there. And, and um, I'll say this too. It's like, there's every chance that we're sitting here right now speculating about this window for next year and stuff. And yet we're deluding ourselves because we are Minnesota. There's a chance that we're already there. We're talking as if we're sliding into the Minnesota, you know, gap. (laughs) We might already be there. (laughs) And we just don't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. We're, we're, we're we're completely delusional about the way our, our stance, but, the money is still there. The, the, the talent is on the team, is on the roster currently. It's still yes. big time. We still, we still look the part. All right? And, and I don't know if we'll look the part that is in four true. fucking years, but we still have the backing. We got the stadium. We got the resources. And we got the players in place. It's all there. It's time to win. And, you know, and, 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 and not win, you know, like, like it's time to win viciously and talk some shit and take it back. Because we're losing that battle, like from the field to online to the administration to the national perception. I mean, we are losing the battle on every single front, and there's no excuse for it. So, so it, it, it's now it's, it's put up, shut up next year. And I, I feel like the season just got started. It's such a weird year. We wait all year for Husky football, and this weird year just kind of leaves me so unsatisfied. It's like, what, what now? You know, and. Um, and, and we have, we're getting good representation. I'll shout out Nick Harris tonight. You know, Nick Harris was playing for the Browns starting right guard because of injuries, and he was getting all kinds of free pub out there, undersized guy, and he was mauling people in the NFL on Sunday night football and getting praise for it. And he looked great. And that's a four-year starter for Washington, right? That's a football player. That's the guy to, you there were guys like, I think it was like DDY and whatnot that used to ridicule him on the boards. Yeah, they ridiculed him when he's 18 going up against an All-American against an Alabama. And you know what? You know what I remember from that game? I think uh, one of our guys got shoved, like, on a late hit, and Alabama was talking shit, and little 18-year-old Nick Harris comes through and shoves the big-ass Alabama guy. Like, wasn't going to take any shit. Like, we need those kind of guys back on the squad. I don't care 
And it's just not like a Emton was a two-star argument because I know Nate Harris wasn't a big recruit. Pete was incredible at identifying football players. That's what Washington, how our, our, our path to success is, is getting football players that are willing to put in the work and get dirty and get nasty, and then you just out-fucking-intimidate these other squads that may have more talent than you, like a USC. That's how you do it. You push them around, and, and that's at least how Washington's done it. Uh, and, and we need to make sure that – I don't know if we're getting football players. Like, we'll find out, but, but I, I love seeing Nick Harris uh, tonight. That was just great because now you look back at that 2016 team, and you start looking like man-to-man on, on that squad, and there's a lot of NFL mm-hmm. talent on that squad. <clears throat> and, and, and we've had a couple of teams like that, a lot of NFL talent, guys who are producing. You got like the, arguably the best safety in the NFL, Buda Baker right now. He was running around. I mean, we had serious, like, high-level players, and yet the hardware is lacking. And that tells me that something within the program itself is broken. When you have so many individual players that can do amazing things, and you see guys like Littleton and, fuck, even Marvin Hall, our best quarterback of all time, is out there catching touchdown passes in the NFL like it's nobody's business now. And he had, like, three catches his whole career. But we had talent on these teams, and outside of two Pac-12 championships, which is nothing to shake your head at, but in that six-year stretch, two Pac-12 championships, no postseason hardware, couldn't get it done, but they, you know, and, and choked, and choked I, away other opportunities. And I'll even, as you were talking there, I was even thinking back to like, wow, you know, the last 20 years, because it's been 20 years since uh, Marcus Tuiasasopo led the Huskies uh, to the Rose Bowl win over Drew Brees. In the last 20 years, we have two bowl game championships. We have a Holiday Bowl win, and we have a Heart of Dallas Bowl, and that's it. Yeah, twenty so the years. Heart of Dallas Bowl. Heart of Dallas Bowl was in the Cotton Bowl, so you know we got to say we won in the Cotton Bowl. You know, it's like, Over it's like playing anytime you anytime you play in December is special. You know, it's like the same fucking thing. And, and and but that's that's the problem is, and, and that's why I hated how the season ended because you only get so many opportunities and you have to capitalize when they're there. If we can go back in time to two thousand two, Yasu Sopo holding up the Rose Bowl trophy, Rick Neuheisel, just number three in the country, all that shit. Like, there's no doubt in your mind. You saw Cody Pickett come in. You're like, okay, that guy's a player. We're, we're in good hands here. Uh, you would think, okay, we're going to go for a run. And then we did it, right? So you don't know when these little – and then, again, even more recently, our, our, late, our latest little flurry of three NY6s. Okay, we're about to go for a run. It's about to happen. It's so fleeting. So anytime you get an opportunity – you have to capitalize. Like you, you just never know. Even if it's in a three and one Northern Championship, playing against an overrated USC, perfect. You got to get into that game and capitalize, win that. And and the fact that we took that out, took that off the table, and then Oregon goes in. Um, that's I I think we beat USC. I think we really kicked their ass. We 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 line up nicely against them. We kill the air air raid consistently. Um, they were picking a, a Slovis off left and right. I don't see any reason why we wouldn't do the same. Uh, it's like, man, talk about a huge uh, pivot point that just went the wrong way for us. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah, frustrating we're, we're, all around. <laughs> I guess we've been harping on it. But I don't know that we would have beat USC. If, if USC had tried to run the ball against us, I think we would have been in trouble. So I'm – I don't totally share your optimism that we would have beat them, but I think it would have been a close game either way. But uh, had we played that game and had we beaten them, um, 
the, 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 the whole narrative certainly different right now and the momentum that we feel and everything. And, uh, and I'll say, you know, just like uh, this whole year for me personally, you know, I've had my challenges as, uh, as most people have. Um, and there was something so, uh, you know, like after that Utah game and stuff, that there was something so uh, refreshing and fun to be able to uh, enjoy that and get to serve mm-hmm. that as a distraction or something like that. It was really great. And then um, just speaking, you know, personally. And so from a personal standpoint, then seeing that this whole thing just kind of, like you said, we we – it, it wasn't like, you know, eight players from Washington have died, six players from Oregon have died, eight more players from Arizona have died, and we need to we need to stop this thing. It's like, no, they were talking about people that had just simply tested positive for it, but I think in most cases they were even asymptomatic or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there'd be no reason at all why we can't just say, hey, is there a way we, you know, we're making up rules left and right as we go along with this whole thing anyways. Why don't we just try to see if we can negotiate something where we can push back the conference chip conference championship game or reschedule some of these other games and and to not even put up a fight at all and just fold the tent and call it a day and then not only that but uh let Oregon take our place and then congratulate Oregon while while they're taunting us it's if, if it's not beta I don't know what is so yeah it's 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 a and you know I I've, I've thought about this seeing Woodward uh go and have success both at LSU and A&M you know, mm-hmm. and everyone, and he did, he, you know, Jen gets the credit, I guess, but Woodward was the AD when we hired Peterson. And, um, and, and I'll say, I'll say this, it, that gives me a big red flag that the problem's systemic and it's deep. And when you have guys who are football guys uh, and they can't, they can't seem to uh, get the culture going the right way. There is a lot of Northwest stink uh, in, in UW's upper campus and not, not, not in a good way. And that's where a disconnect is. Um, uh, the fans, the fans that made this program great, and the fans that largely make the Seattle Seahawks—I always draw that comparison because they're the same guys that were there in the '90s. They're just out there at, at CenturyLink now. Um, the fans that make the Seahawks one of the most intimidating places to play in the NFL. Like that's the same—that's the same batch of people. That's what they want. Winning cures everything. I mean, these are the same things well, we I say over and over again. I don't know that it's the same batch. I'm not sure I agree with you there. I don't think that it's the same batch of people if you're talking about the – you talk about Seahawks fans compared to Husky fans, right? Yeah, I'm talking – we make fun of the 12, but the Seahawks environment is as as rowdy as it gets in the NFL, and it creates a a serious home field advantage. And there's a reason for that. And it's it's, – there is – uh, the something in the fabric of people out here in the Northwest that care about football in a way that rivals the Midwest and the South. Um, and if you, if you, as an administration of UW, you need to embrace that and you need it. And that's how you have to, that's how you get back to winning. Uh, whatever we're doing right now with this, 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 again, I want to keep it out of politics, but whatever we're doing mm-hmm. right now is not the, is not the ticket. It, it's it's doing just enough to cross across some uh, T's and dot some I's and say you, you gave it the good old shot, but it's not it's not a, a program that seems to really want to put the effort necessary to win. Um, but well, I hate to just beat this th- drum over and over again, but that's kind of where my head is on it. One thing I'll say, and then we'll 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 wrap up here. But um, like when you know when I went to home games in the '80s and '90s, for example, and then I would go to Seahawks games a lot um, as well. 
and the atmosphere was very much the same. And so I agree with you in that time period, everything, it felt like one was an extension of the other or they were cousins or something like this. Um, and even back then you'd hear stories about how like a major metropolis like Minneapolis or something can't support both a college team and an NFL team because it's just not enough. <laughs> but back then in the 80s and 90s, the the Huskies had rabid support and the Seahawks for the most part had rabid support and um and that exists somewhere around 2000 to 2010 I don't know what happened culturally or or I'm not sure what happened but the Husky crowd began to change into something different and the Seahawks crowd remained rabid and blue collar and mm-hmm. and I remember even specifically about 15 years ago or roughly uh, that um, there was a, there was a, a Husky game that I went to on a Saturday and then a Seahawks game that I went to on a Sunday, and I couldn't believe the contrast. I was so shocked mm-hmm. because the crowd around me was so passive at the Husky game, and it just felt like this almost kind of, you know, wine and cheese thing. And I don't think the zone existed back then, but I just remember a late arriving crowd and I was just so upset by mm-hmm. that. And then the Seahawk crowd is like, you hear, uh, you know, cursing all around you and people are jumping up and screaming and yelling and cheering. And it was, uh, it was like, wow, this used to, this, you know, so anyways, what I'm trying to say is somewhere along the line, something changed with, with the Husky culture and it became softer and more elite mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. Well, we won the sustainability award like 10 years running, so we're fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, my favorite part was Mark Ebert awarding himself a letterman's jacket or whatever it was that one time. Oh, and it was, uh, and I think that was the very first time also that they announced them sort of the sustainability award. And, uh, and that's when we were, uh, I think that was still during the Willingham years, but so, um, well, Hey, uh, I guess we'll, we'll call tonight. Um, we're going to have our first annual Hardcore Husky airing of Grievances, which is going to be uh, probably recorded on Wednesday with you and I, and then that'll be broadcast on, uh, or it'll get um, uh, available to the public on Christmas Eve. So some people that have uh, sent in a little bit of uh, wampum and then want me to read out whatever their grievances about <laughs> either me or the website or fellow posters or mankind in general. So those are going to get, uh, those are going to get read and then, and uh and and maybe we'll throw in some uh you know reminiscing of some bowl games in the past or something fun like that but uh anyways any last thoughts from you no shout out shout out to uh dnc uh i don't think i've seen dnc this unhinged before he, in my in my mind dnc has a like a sweet southern drawl he's out there in mississippi you know and he's he's always kind of like the arbiter of truth and and kind of contained but he's been around here uh, for a while, and he's just he's just going scorched earth on <laughs> so, something snapped in him uh, when Oregon uh, hoisted the Pac-12 championship trophy, and I love I love every second about it. A uh, shout out to DNC for just laying waste to the board with your rage. I appreciate you, brother. Um, but yeah, that's I know we've we've gone long, and that's uh, that's uh, pretty much all I have to say on this week. I can't wait to read some of those grievances. It should be uh, should be pretty funny. <laughs> All right, man. We'll uh, we'll we'll talk again in a couple of days here. All right, go dogs. Go dogs.
Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hu- hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level level of cyber peyote, peyote, come join Swain's Wigwarm. I'm going to have to read this over. Sway's Wigwam, yeah. Sway's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. I'll have to read that one, but...